How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. Hey there, America. I'm Leslie Marshall. Happy Tuesday. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy in talk radio. Many of us remember, I think, one of, if not the most moving speeches at the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia a couple of months ago. And that was the father of a Captain Khan, a Muslim man whose son served in our military, whose son was born here, whose son died a hero saving other American military lives, his comrades, and is a Muslim. Khazar Khan spoke of his disgust about Donald Trump, and of course Captain Khan, his son, is deceased and cannot speak. I was contacted online by a man named Mansur Shams. Mansur is a U.S. Marine veteran. He is a business owner. He is a youth leader. And he is a Muslim. In an effort to educate the public about the Muslim experience as a Muslim in the United States, as somebody who has served in our United States Marines, he founded a website called MuslimMarine.org, and he hopes it will offer a more positive view of his religion than the one that you hear from Donald Trump. He served four years in the U.S. Marines. He attained the rank of corporal. He received several honors. Um, his uh, tweet, uh, Dear Hillary Clinton, today is a proud Muslim American U.S. Marine veteran. I've put my trust in you. Hope you'll value it. Tuesday motivation. He voted for Secretary Clinton today. More than a pleasure uh, to have Corporal Mansur Shams with us. Uh, Mansur, Corporal, what do you prefer? Uh, perfectly fine. Go either way. It's fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> Mansur, I, fe- I feel like with our back and forth, I know you a, a, a little bit. Um, okay, no problem. You know, some people say a Muslim Marine is an oxymoron or a conflict of interest. And, and you say, what conflict of interest? But before we get into this conflict of interest and into, into your feelings and as a Marine and as a, a Muslim and uh, sharing some things that you wanted to regarding your faith, uh, I wanted to ask you, when Donald Trump spoke about ID cards, a Muslim ban, when Donald Trump has said negative things about the military or lied about money going to help the vets, and when Donald Trump, you know, attacked uh, verbally um, a Gold Star family, and now it comes out he didn't even know what a Gold Star family was, a grieving mother and um, a father, you, you know, who buried um, a son, someone like you, although he had, you know, achieved the rank of a captain, um, a American-born Muslim who dedicated his life to and gave a portion of his life to serve our nation. First of all, I want you to share from us, as a Muslim veteran, as a Muslim Marine veteran, what does that feel like? Because I can talk about what I think it feels like, but I'm not you. So can you share that with us? Well, um, obviously, uh, when I heard those comments, and it, it seemed like it's been like a, a progression. You know, it's like never really stopped. You know, it's like um, one can say something slips out of someone's mouth and, you know, it's forgiven and, you know, we overlook it. But in the case of Donald Trump, uh, it's almost like 
uh, he really means what he says, and that really showed uh, when his you know comments came uh, for this Gold Star family, where he had literally he was kind of numb uh, to the entire situation, uh, how these people had lost someone very very special, and for me, um, coincident- coincidentally, uh, I also happened to be a Pakistani descent. So for me, this whole situation actually hit home in a very different way uh, because, um, you know, I, I, I connected with that culture. I, ne- I connected with that religion. I connected with that family. And I, I just, uh, it, it just hit me really hard. Like, oh, my God, I, I, you know, I can't believe that this presidential candidate, you know, uh, nominee would say this uh, right in front of, you know, millions of people across the world. And uh, for me, it's been, a, you know, it's been an uphill battle because, as I mentioned, uh, as I've mentioned on numerous occasions before, I've never, uh, never thought about me being Muslim American or U.S. Marine as a as a conflict of interest. It's never really uh, come in my mind till now. Till people have brought it into my mind, people like Donald Trump, uh, who seem to question my loyalty or my love for this country uh, when we all know the track record that they hold. Um, it, it's, I think it's just something, um, uh, if you want me to be very, very honest, I got a little bit emotional when I, when I saw that whole situation. I got a little bit, too, I mean, Marines don't like to admit this too often, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because it's important for America to know and uh, how it actually affects us in reality, especially if you've been a person who served in the United States military, uh, in my case, as a U.S. Marine. It hits hard, and it's very painful to hear the direction that we're headed in and the people that have showed, showed this loyalty to this man um, that demonizes and, you know, says all sorts of crazy things about, you know, all sorts of people. Uh, in my case, someone who was a Muslim who had also happened to serve in the United States Marine Corps. You know, you today voted for a woman to be your commander-in-chief, and as a veteran— um, obviously, you could be, you know, uh, called up, I think, right, for duty, or she could ask something of you. And certainly, you know that your uh, fellow Marines and others in the armed forces would be taking their orders from a woman. Now, I say that because there are a lot of people that think because of the practices of some perversions of Islam in nations throughout the world, um, mm. you know, where women are forced to wear a burqa or, you know, they're um, if they're raped, they're not listened to or they're <clears throat> they're thrown in prison, beaten, or uh, killed for adultery, although the man in the situation is not, you know, uh, as much as I, if not more. Uh, Pakistan's another example. I've been there. I lived there temporarily. I adopted my son from there. I don't know if you know that. And, oh, wow. Okay. And, and, uh, and my husband's family is uh, Indian, uh, although they're Muslim. They're from uh, India. So before, we're going to take a break, and I want you to think about this answer. Okay. Sure. I, I, I want you to talk about as a Muslim man voting for a woman, because Islam is certainly accused of, and there are many countries that make people think Muslims are this way, as being extremely an oppressive religion, and a religion Mm. where men like you uh, are very oppressive uh, toward women, which I think your vote today um, showed at least you as a Muslim are not. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back sure, to you, sure. okay? Uh, no hold problem. on to that uh, response. We'll come back to Mans- Mansur Shams. He is a U.S. Marine veteran, business owner, and Muslim youth leader. Um, he has a website called muslimmarine.org. Check it out. And you can follow him on Twitter at Mansur T. Shams, M-A-N-S-O-O-R-T-S-H-A-M-S. The website is muslimmarine.org. Back with him. Back with you right after this. Go away. 
We're having our own political discussion off air with not just Hillary winning, but by how much she has to win in order for us to feel Trump was defeated sufficiently. Mansur Shams is a U.S. Marine veteran, business owner, Muslim youth leader. He founded a website, check it out, called MuslimMarine.org. Uh, Mansur, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Um, yes, you didn't know that my husband's family is Muslim. My son, we adopted from ED Foundation in Pakistan. And I lived, mm, there, and awesome. I lived there for four months while we did that. Um, uh, you, uh, before we talk about the whole conflict of interest and, and stuff I know that you want to uh, put out there, um, <clears throat> you know that you guys, Muslims, because I have people say this about my husband being raised in a Muslim family, you know, is your husband sexist, oppressive, I laugh. You know, I'm like, he's married to me, hello. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, you voted for a woman today, and you are mm-hmm. a Muslim man. So can you speak to that, the question I posed before the break? Because Islam and Muslim men do get a very bad rap, and with a lot of the things reported from other countries, I don't want to say rightly mm-hmm. so, but I understand people's uh, misconceptions. Well, uh, you mentioned Pakistan. I guess we're both uh, somewhat similar with Pakistan. Um, I'm not sure if uh, many of the listeners know or not, but Pakistan uh, had a, uh, a woman prime minister twice. Benazir, Bhutto, Benazir Bhutto was assassinated while I was adopting my son, yes. Yes, and it's, Pakistan is also, I think we would agree, a very conservative society. Yes. Uh, yet, we've had a, a woman prime minister as the president, uh, the prime minister of Pakistan, which the United States of America still hasn't gone to by yet. I mean, this was, this was years ago, I think maybe a decade ago, yes. uh, that she, over a decade ago, I'd say. So this whole, uh, this whole concept of, I get it, uh, to be clear, that there are problems in the Muslim world, but we have to always go to the source. What does the source say, the teaching say? And, you know, in a time where, you know, uh, a, a girl was being buried alive and the Holy Prophet Muhammad came and, you know, said that, you know, you know this, that a girl is a blessing, that a woman has the right to divorce. Divorce, which, by the way, 100 years ago in America was like uh, something that a woman didn't really have the right to do, to own, to own property over 1,400 years ago. 1,400 years ago. I mean, I'm just trying to put things in perspective here. So those men that commit those atrocities are the actions, that's their actions of those men. Just like when Donald Trump professes Christianity, and I don't know how, you know, I don't, I'm not going to question his, uh, you, know, uh, you know, faith element. If someone calls himself a Christian, who am I to say they're not a Christian? But when he speaks the way he, of women, the way we've all heard, well, we know that that's not what the Christian faith represents. So it's just really un- unfortunate that, yes, there are bad people out there. They do very, very bad things. But Islam is a religion, uh, which is, uh, I think, 1.6 billion plus. You know, every single country, I just traveled overseas, I just got back, with the exception of Saudi Arabia, women drive. Women, edu- my, my wife's a physiologist. Her sister is becoming an accountant. The other sister is becoming a physician. You know, I, I can go on and on and on, but it's just, unfortunately, it's something that's really misunderstood. So when you ask me when I voted for Hillary Clinton, again, it's one of those things that I didn't really think about until you actually mentioned it to me. You, that did, you didn't even woman. think about her being a woman. No, it never occurred to me. I just, I didn't even think about it. That, that, that's actually, uh, there's something very endearing about that. And why did you vote uh, Hillary Clinton? Were you voting for Hillary Clinton or against Donald Trump? Well, you know, I, and I've tweeted about this as well. You know, I was, to be very frank, my guy was Bernie Sanders, okay? And, um, you know, I felt, you know, very connected with this person. And, 
he, I guess he didn't make it to where he needed to make, you know, to become And, and by the way, another misconception that Muslims and Jews hate each other because there were a huge amount of go. Muslims that supported Bernie Sanders, who was Jewish, yeah. There, there you go. I live in an Orthodox Jewish community. That's the, that's the irony. <laughs> my, my neighbor across the street is Israeli, and, you know, his kids and my kids are playing all the time. So, yes, anyway, that's another irony. We that, can talk that's about America. That isn't that that's yeah, America? Right. What America that's was what uh, was awesome, designed right? to be and supposed to be, especially in modern day 2016, right? That's and that's what makes America so awesome. So when I hear of people like Donald Trump, it's like, and I feel like we're going 50 years back. You know, with the election of President Obama as the first African American president, you know, forget regardless of what your political affiliation is, I felt that was a huge, huge, huge step forward for the United States of America. And now when I look at that, this guy may be on the brink of you know, grasping the presidency of the United States, you know, it scares the heck out of me because I say, like, wow, wow. I mean, you know, I, just yesterday night I was having a conversation with some people and I got together with, and one, one thing we all agreed that this person has motivated people that may have had racial tendencies or bigoted views or whatever to say, you know what, it's okay to go ahead and that guy who has a brown skin, you know, hey, hey, you Muslim, get out of here or something, you know. You're going to be out of here soon or something like that. You know, this is what's really troubling about Donald Trump because at this time, every single day that we're, you know, hearing this guy, leadership does matter. And that's the reality. Every day, people are being infected. And people who are perhaps less educated or don't understand things, now the blame game is going on. You know, so just blame the guy who's a Muslim, blame the guy who's black, blame the guy who's a Latino. Just, just, just do it this way, and that's, that's going to solve your problem. So I, I'm really, really concerned as far as uh, both being a Muslim and as an American for the state of this country. Uh, talk to me about that conflict of interest. A Muslim Marine, what conflict of interest uh, you say? Because some people say that that's a conflict of interest. Is it? Well, you know, uh, again, this is a lot of lack of education that's out there. My religion teaches me, the only Prophet Muhammad has said, that you know, loyalty to your country of residence is a part of your faith. Now, I can very practically, you know, when people ask me this question, I try to give them very practical examples so that they can connect. You know, when, for example, right now, Saudi Arabia and Yemen are at war with one another, okay, and the Saudi soldier is defending Saudi Arabia, and the, uh, the Yemeni soldiers, is a, is, what are they doing? He's being loyal to Yemen. It's not like they're dropping their weapons and saying, hey, give me a hug. You know, you know what? We're brothers. We're Muslims. Just like that, I happen to live in the United States of America. So my, this is my country. If I was living in Saudi Arabia or Pakistan, I'd be loyal to those countries. But I live in America, so I'm loyal to the United States of America, and that's exactly what my faith teaches me to be. And that's exactly what the Yemeni soldier is doing. That's exactly what the Saudi soldier is doing right now. They're defending their countries. So it's just when these people, again, when they pull these arguments out, these funny little things that I can never make sense of, you know, uh, they'll say, would you ever shoot a Muslim? I mean, I'll go a step further. Yes, I would shoot a Muslim. Why wouldn't I shoot a, I mean, if I have to defend my country... Why wouldn't I shoot a Muslim? It has nothing to do with religion. You know, it's, it's my responsibility and my duty to be loyal to my country of residence, and that's exactly... And I would imagine no when you're holding a gun, nobody's asking religion. I know we've heard that some of the terrorists have done that, but it's a little different if you're walking in and everybody's, uh, you, know, uh, you know, taken by the element of a surprise. So you say love of one's country, one country of residence is a part of faith, uh, and, and that is a direct quote from the Prophet Muhammad, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Okay, That's correct. just I want to repeat that. Muhammad, the prophet Muhammad, uh, you know, who, uh, you know, Muslims believe is the final prophet, and they also believe Jesus is a prophet. Quote, love of yes. one's country of residence is a part of faith. I want to ask you about that. I've always been perplexed because my, uh, totally freak mm. out. My dad's Jewish, my mother's Christian, and my husband's mm. family's Muslim. So I got mm. a little UN going. And um, 
I often wondered because Jews do not recognize Jesus as anything but a carpenter's son who, you know, was given mm. some good street cred, you know, got some good press, mm-hmm. if you will, and had a posse. Um, they, uh, some of them consider, you know, him almost blasphemous. I say that Jews, mm-hmm. you know, my own family, whereas Muslims consider Jesus a prophet and Christians consider mm-hmm. Jesus the son of God. So in other mm-hmm. words, are you surprised that Christians aren't closer to Muslims as opposed to Christians and Jews uniting because, um, Jews do not accept Christ as anything other than just a normal guy who, mm-hmm. uh, Christians or, you know, people who were following Jews at the time Jesus gave him. It's funny that you mentioned that. I'm actually smiling as you said that because it's like I've always wondered that. It, it's never made any sense to me from a religious perspective. Uh, I'll go a step further. As part of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, the community that I belong to, um, you know, our belief on Jesus Christ is not only that he was a prophet. We believe that he was put on the cross, but he survived crucifixion, and that he later died in old age. So I know that's like a shocker for some people. So there's a great book. It's called Jesus in India, written by uh, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad. Uh, who we believe to be the Imam Mahdi, the Messiah, who founded the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. I would, you know, urge readers to go check it out. I was in that part of the world. In fact, in Pakistan, since you've been there, uh, you know, there's a place called Mari. I don't, I don't know. Have you heard of that? No. Uh, okay, Mari is uh, north of Islamabad. Uh, so for the first time, I got to go and go check out Mari. I've always wanted to visit it. And why do I want to visit Mari? It's because Mari, if it, uh, if it clicks, uh, is named after Mary peace be upon her, the mother of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, you're thinking like in Pakistan, how, where the, how is that connecting? So the belief of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is that after he uh, survived crucifixion, he migrated east to gather the lost tribes of Israel. And, you know, he eventually, we believe that he died in Srinagar, India. And this location where uh, Mari is, the people actually resemble certain Judaic traditions, even their looks. They're different. They're not like normal Pakistanis. I mean, they'll have very light colors with green eyes. It's very, very interesting. If you ever get an opp- opportunity to look into, well, it. I would love to go. Uh, I have, I have green eyes, and my daughter, who's biological, she has green eyes. Uh, that, that's, a, I, I love history, and I love geography, yeah. and I love, uh, mm-hmm. you know, study of uh, religion, and, and that's very fascinating. Thank you. I want to yeah. ask you something that I've heard, and tell me if it's true. Is it sure. true that Muslims in our U.S. military face pressure to prove? their loyalty and you know especially the backlash that's been sparked after donald trump has talked and after the criticism um, of the parents of that slain uh, muslim american hero and soldier captain khan i think uh, look I've, I've spoken to friends uh, a friend who've gone uh, gotten back from afghanistan in the air force i've spoken to friends who've gone back, uh, back from uh, iraq after a, a, a nine-month deployment from the U.S. Army, you know, I can I can tell you my experience that I had after 9/11 because I served from 2000 to 2004. I just sense a change after 9/11 took place, where I felt like I was a little bit under the microscope. So prior to 9/11, I was like a normal guy. I was a normal Marine. There was no distinction as far as okay, my hair, my color, my religion. Uh, in fact, I, I remember t- teaching people. People were. Uh, interested in, in learning about the Islamic faith. It, I would even go back to, you know, all, you know, kudos to my time in boot camp, where uh, every night uh, in boot camp, I would, they would do a Catholic and a Protestant prayer. And one day, I actually had the courage to ask my drill instructor, sir, this, you have to speak in third person, sir, this request requests permission to speak. And then he's like, speak, you maggot, you know, <laughs> whatever they call you at that time. So I asked him if I could do an Islamic prayer. 
And at that time, that drill instructor allowed me to do an Islamic prayer. And I was, and people would, the guys would come with me afterwards and say, oh, you know, tell us a little bit more about it. And I was able to do a lot of great things. But when 9-11 did take place, I can sense that there was a level of maybe perhaps some people were uncomfortable, didn't understand, they were confused. You know, it started off with, like, jokes, like, you know, Taliban, you know, are you going to blow up or things like that. And when it got a little bit far-fetched, I decided that, you know, I was going to nip it to the butt. I was going to go ahead and talk to these people and tell them that, look, this is not who I am, and I need to draw a distinction here. Otherwise, this can get, you know, out of place. So guys that are coming back now, I've asked this question because I – in the past couple of months, I've met with people who are active duty right now, and obviously they don't, they're not at discretion. I guess they have less uh, discretion to speak uh, openly. Uh, so they're, they're, so far, you know, I'm going to be very honest, I've heard positive views that the people that are around their circle are supporting them and saying, you know, we don't think of you in any different way. But I think naturally inside, we all know, we do feel different. And they do feel different because they're often being talked about. Your faith is often being talked about. You know, that part of the world is often being talked about. So somehow it's always associated, you know, with that person, even though they're it's the furthest thing from the, from the truth. There are about 6,000 Muslims in our military right now, which, um, although sure. thousands, is a, a small uh, amount. Um, mm. Do you think that more Muslims need to become involved? And what made you become, what made you join uh, the service and, and become a Marine? <clears throat> Well, I can tell you that if Donald Trump uh, was my running for president and I was in the same situation that I was in 2000, I would not have joined the Marine Corps. I, I, I can tell you that right now because I would never have felt comfortable. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I haven't uh, voted Republican, uh, not at least as, uh, as I remember, but I never felt the sort of racism and bigotry and hatred that I felt from him. From people, uh, from like George Bush. I never felt that from George Bush. George Bush, I can disagree with everything he may have done, whatever it is. But this is something that I never felt from him. So when I look at you know this particular situation in this particular time, yeah, I think that it is a battle for the guy who was considering to do, join the U.S. military, which is really un- unfortunate actually because they're worried. Okay. You know, they're, they're, they're worried right now, you know. And also, I would imagine that Muslims in, in the military can be helpful because Arabic is a language that's not spoken uh, by as many people in the foreign service or in the military as there should be. And I know you don't speak Arabic. I'm not an idiot. I know you speak Urdu. Uh, but Urdu certainly is not, you know, uh, up there on the, uh, you know, they're not having Urdu submersion schools in the U.S. like Chinese and Spanish. Um, you know, you, you and others uh, of, you know, various faiths and, you know, cultural backgrounds. Uh, I think it just becomes more advantageous and understanding the culture there. You look, I'm, I'm a white chick born in the United States. I have lived in other countries, including Pakistan, and it is a different culture. And if sure. you don't come from that culture, can you learn about it? If you live within it a long time or, you know, for a period of time? Absolutely. But to walk in and, and have that knowledge is just uh, immense. We have less than a minute. Mansoor, I want to give that to you to share what you want to tell folks about. I want them to check out your website, muslimmarine.org. What do you want people to hear? Why did you want to come on today? Well, look, I want people to know that uh, I know that they're concerned, they're worried. Some of those questions, concerns, worries, misconceptions may be correct, okay? But in large cases, they are not correct. And so I want people to know that there's a guy who looks like me, who, uh, you know, who has brown skin, who has black black beard, black hair, who fits that perfect description of the guy that you think is a potential terrorist. But he's not a terrorist. He is an American, 
he's a Muslim, and he's a United States Marine veteran. And so I think if people understand that, if people think about that, and I hope that's powerful for some people to actually just uh, ponder over, because if they look at that and they mistake that guy for what they thought was a terrorist, and it ha- he happened to be a U.S. Marine, it's a real disservice and a disappointment to that person who ever took that thought and you know, took it further, a step further. I want people to know that they don't need to be scared. They don't need to be worried. Muslims have been a part of the American fabric for since the inception of this and, country. And, and I want to interject here, just so people understand. Muslims have been fighting in the U.S. military since the Civil War. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and one other thing. Do you get yes. sometimes a hard time at the airport? And then you show them that, you know, you, you have some kind of ID from the Marines or that, you know, you were a USMC? <laughs> I just got back on Sunday uh, from the Middle East. I was in Saudi Arabia, I was in Dubai, and I was in uh, Pakistan. And uh, I, I, it's ironic again, you know, it's funny because we're in a very weird situation in our life now that when I'm standing in the line, I'm thinking, okay, which guy is going to give me a hard time? <laughs> right, know? right. Do they? <laughs> so I, I, I got this time, so I selected a guy who looked like, you know, who was a foreigner, okay? I, I don't know where he was from, but I, when I got closer in, I noticed his name said Bhatti, okay? Bhatti is like a, either an Indian or subcontinent Pakistani name. And I said, so I said, but, you know, hello, Bhatti, you know, Mr. Bhatti or something like that. And he, he started talking to me in Urdu. So, I, you know, and he says, uh, you know, he's like, how are things, what's going on, blah, 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 blah. And then he said, okay, now I'm going to have to send you uh, to the secondary. <laughs> so even your brother there, even the homeboy, right? So now, you know, what concerns... That's the irony. I said, so he sent me yeah. to the secondary check, and I said, you know, at last, I said to him, it's been years. I said, you know, I traveled a lot, and twice I've been pu- pulled into the secondary check-in. So I said, you know what, maybe it's due. But, you know, what the other thought that occurred to me was, was he trying to prove something to his you yeah, know, that's a that's forward. a that's a very good point. I would love to talk more, but we've got we, we've got to go. Thank you so much, Mansoor. Check out his website, MuslimMarine.org. I'm Leslie Marshall. You ever hear something and know the world will never be the same? Houston, we have liftoff. Well, wait until you hear this one. Half price coffee. That's right. Get into McDonald's weekdays before 10.30 a.m. for any size premium roast coffee or iced coffee. Both made with 100% Arabica beans, both half the price. Good is brewing. And that's the sound of your morning changing. Limited time only. May not be combined with any offer or combo meal at participating McDonald's.